it's back, for better or worse. Good. Well, we, uh, we started last... Oh, sorry, before, before I jump into my message, let me mention verbally, I know I, I, it was in our uh, EB update that went out this week, after the service, uh, we've got some cookies to go with the coffee out in the lobby, um, three different kinds of cookies. If you, if, you don't like, if you don't like raisins, make sure you get the right ones, right? Uh, I, don't, I don't want you to have trust issues. You think it's a chocolate chip and you grab a, uh, grab a raisin. But uh, th- we've got cookies and uh, we just wanted to make opportunity for you to hang out a little longer in the lobby after to say goodbye to Matt and, uh, and you know, just encourage him as he goes. Let's uh, smother him in love. All right? Good. All right, so last week we started a two-part uh, message, two-part talk on, uh, on some vision stuff for the house. And uh, <clears throat> we talked about how, you know, over the last, um, the last two years have been really challenging for, not just for our church, but for all churches. Um, and a lot of churches, I'd say most churches, have gone through some sort of identity crisis. Uh, and maybe multiple identity crises as we've followed the, the you know, the, the roller coaster waves of the last two years. Oh, we can open up. Oh, we can't. Oh, we can open up. Oh, we can't. Oh, we can do this. No, we can't. Right? And it's, it's just been uh, a bit crazy. It's been challenging. Fun. Um, and, uh, but as, as we've had to, uh, you know, adjust... And, and work with things and flow with things. Uh, we've, we've hopefully been kind of forced to ask ourselves a little bit, what, what are the essentials? What, what is church really? What, what are we about? What is all of this about? And I think it's important that we ask those questions and that we... we we do our best to, to, to find, God, what is your path forward for us? Because I don't know that it's going to look exactly like the path that got us here. I'm not sure that, you know, um, five years ago, before all of this stuff happened, we already couldn't do church like we did 40 years before and think it was going to be effective, right? Because culture changes, the setting changes, our methods need to shift, right? And, um, and that has been accelerated. I mean, culture is changing so quickly right now that we can't just kind of you know, I know most of us would like to just figure out what we're supposed to do and just, let's just lock that in and just do that forever, right? Like, that would just be so much easier. But the reality is, we are, we're, uh, culture is a moving target to, to say, you know, moving goalpost. To, to reach the culture, 
We don't, you know, our message isn't determined by the culture, but the way that we communicate it and how we serve and love the world around us so that they know Jesus is shifting and changing constantly, right? We talked about how Paul said, um, I, I will be all things to all people. I'll do whatever it takes to reach some, right? And so over the last couple of years, we've had to be really flexible. Now, hopefully, you know, the COVID stuff necessarily isn't coming back, but we're going to need to be flexible from now on. Because I believe that there are, there are changes coming in our culture that will impact the church, impact how we do church, how we're allowed to do church, and all of that stuff. I believe there are changes coming. None of it changes who we are, right? The government can take away our, our you know, our, our tax-free status on our facility. They can take away our charitable status. They can do all of those things. We are not our charity number, right? We are not our tax status. We are the church of Jesus Christ. And nothing that happens to us should change what we are here to do, right? So blessed are the flexible, for they shall not be broken. Right? We need to learn how to be flexible. And when the Lord says go, we go. And when he says pull back, we pull back. And we need to listen to him and follow him in the days ahead. None of that was in my notes. but So, so we need to... We need to have an understanding of what we are, what we are called to be and to do. Why are we here? Because we don't need those seats warmed on Sunday morning. That's not, that's, not the, that's not why you come in here, right? Just to warm a seat. There, there's actually a purpose for why we gather and why we are who we are and what we are. Um. And so, as we said last week, we, in this season, as we're, as we're recalibrating, we need to be, um, I think it's about alignment. It's about alignment. Because we can be over here doing whatever it is we think we should be doing, but if God is doing this, and we're not in alignment with this, we're going nowhere. We're just going to spin our wheels. We're just going to waste our money and our time and our energy. It's going in circles. But if we can align our, you know, what we are and what we're doing with what God is doing and come into unity around that, we're going to talk about that in a bit, come into unity around alignment with what heaven is up to in our region, then we're actually going to see exponential breakthrough. We're going to see God do things that will blow our minds. 
And so we, we need to listen. We need to lean in. We need to say, God, who are we in this season? Who have you called us to be? What are you doing in this season? And help us to get in alignment. Right? So, so as we're in this season... I believe, I do believe we need to get back to basics. And, and we talked about this last week. You can go online, listen to last week's message. I encourage you to do so because this is a continuation of that and building on that. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give the, the Coles Notes version of what we talked about last week. Um, that, that the basics for us, first of all, are the gospel. And, I, and I, I talked about what is the gospel last week. Again, listen to that. Um, because I think it's important that we understand what the gospel is. It's the story of the kingdom of Jesus. It's the story of the kingdom of Jesus. It's the story of what Jesus has done to bring his kingdom into this world. And it's the story of how Jesus is bringing all of history and all of, you know, all of this to a grand fulfillment when he comes back. Right, and so uh, so we need to we need to get a hold of what is the gospel, and we need to be living the gospel. Um, the back to basics is the the great commandment to love the Lord with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. Everything in us, our lives are sold out for Him. He is priority. One, period, right? And then um, the second command is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. We are called to love. That needs to define who we are and what we do. We are called to love. Called to love God and love the world around us. And anything that hinders us from loving God well and loving people well, including our own attitudes, our sin. Right? They're getting in the way of the great commandment to love God well and love people well. The great commission is that we are sent with this message of love and the message of the gospel, we are sent into the world To make disciples, not get decisions, but to make disciples. And oftentimes, as the church in North America, we've, we've put all of our eggs in the basket of getting people to, you know, sign on the dotted line, to pray the sinner's prayer, to cross the line of faith, to, to just... Just say yes to Jesus, and then we kind of leave them hanging. But we're called to make disciples, right? Not just to get decisions. And so how do we become, how do we walk out being a disciple-making church? It's really important, right? But we have this call, this commission from Jesus to go and make disciples. And then the great requirement. 
From Micah 6.8, He has shown you, O mortal, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? To act justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. And so doing acts of justice is really important to who we are and what we do. The church, we are the, the light of the world and the salt of the earth, right? And if, if the rot of our culture is going to change, is going to be redeemed, it's going to be because you and I act justly in this world and turn the upside-down things right-side up, right? I know that feels like a heavy, but we don't do it in our strength. Remember me saying last week, Jesus sent out a community of people who had the seeds of the kingdom inside of them. So it's just amazing as we go out and be people of the kingdom in this world. We actually make more difference than we think we do. And so with all of this, we, we, uh, we shared again our, uh, our mission statement as a church last week. We exist to exalt God in everything, to engage people with the hope of the gospel, to equip people as followers of Christ, and to empower everyone for ministry. Man, if we could hit those four targets, this region would not know what hit it. For real. And last week I shared, I put these, this statement in a different in a different way, that we will be a spirit-filled, mission-focused, transformative community of called sent ones. Right? So last week, we talked about the first two of those. I'll do a quick recap of them in a moment. Um, I'll do that right now. Um, do a quick recap of uh, spirit-filled and mission-focused, and then we're going to dive into the, the second two. And then uh, I told you I wanted to share with you a few things just that, that are on my heart, some things that I see for our church in the days ahead. And uh, so we got got some stuff to do. All right, spirit-filled. We said last week that Spirit-filled does not just mean that we have good Holy Spirit theology. Sometimes as a movement, you know, I, I, think, I think our movement has pretty good Holy Spirit theology. But sometimes we've rested on that and, and felt like, you know, we're, we're good. We've, we, we, we have a good handle on what the Holy, who the Holy Spirit is and what He is you know, what he does in our lives and through our lives. And, you know, we, we've got good Holy Spirit theology. So we're the Holy Spirit, we're the Spirit-filled people. No, it doesn't work like that, right? Uh, it's not, doesn't mean that we have good theology of the Holy Spirit or that we had an experience with the Holy Spirit some years ago. 
in our past. But being spirit-filled means that we are currently living lives empowered by the boldness and authority that comes from the Holy Spirit. Currently, now, today, right? We're walking in the Spirit, that we're led by the Spirit, walking in step with Him. He's leading us every day. That we, that we live lives surrendered to the Spirit's transforming, purifying process in our lives. Right? We, we can't speak in tongues and prophesy one, one minute and, and cuss out our neighbor the next. It doesn't work like that. We need to be being transformed by the Spirit. And that's part of being spirit-filled. Surrendered to what he's doing in our lives. We need to be mission-focused. Mission being mission-focused, we said last week, uh, means we are constantly reminding ourselves that the church doesn't exist for us. That didn't get as much of an amen as I wanted. Let's try that again. The church doesn't exist for us. Wow, it's a little better. Wow. It doesn't exist for our preferences. But the church exists to be a tactical rescue unit and a hospital for the lost and broken that Jesus has called us to reach. So we must be ready to do whatever it takes to reach lost people for the sake of the kingdom. And there's this gravitational pull in our culture because our culture is a consumer culture. That is the dominant value of our culture in the West. It is a consumer culture. You exist, according to our culture, to keep the wheels of the economy going, to buy stuff, to consume stuff. That's what our culture wants you to do. And, and you are, according to our culture, you're the consumer, you're the customer. It's all about you so that, or at least they... they want you to think it's all about you so that it's all about them, right? Does that make sense? And there's this gravitational pull in our culture back to consumerism, including in the church, very much in the church, that we get this, we, we start slipping into feeling like entitled consumers who should get all the benefits of church with no expectations. But folks, we're not here for ourselves. We're not customers. We're not consumers. We are workers in the kingdom. Okay. So I want to uh, share the passage of Scripture we read last week just before we dive into the, the next two. Acts 2, 42 to 47. They were continually devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. 
Everyone kept feeling a sense of awe and many wonders and signs were taking place through the apostles. And all the believers were together and had all things in common and they would sell their property and possessions and share them with all to the extent that anyone had need. Day by day, continuing with one mind in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, they were taking their meals together with gladness and sincerity of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people, and the Lord was adding to their number day by day those who were being saved. Yeah. Wow. We're going to come back to uh, look at that again as we go through this. But um, transformative community. Jesus has called us, as we said earlier, he's called us to make disciples. To make disciples. To see lives transformed. And we will not be, we will not be transformative We will not see transformed lives. We will not be transformative without community. And we we cannot be the community we're called to be without the transformative message of the gospel. We're going to talk about those two things under this. We will not be transformative without community, and we will not be the community that we're called to be without the transformative power of the gospel. Okay? Here's what I mean. We will not be transformative without community. Jesus built community into his church. This is not a solo deal. It's not not a, a solo sport following Jesus. It was never meant to be. It will never work that way. It is not a solo thing. We are meant to be part, when we give our hearts and our lives to Jesus and become followers of him, we become part of a family and, we, and, and that family is core to what it means to follow Jesus. I, it breaks my heart when I hear of people who say, um, you know, well, I, I, I worship, you know, I, I turn on worship music at home and I listen to TV stuff at home and, you know, I, I have my own little church right there. I don't need to go to church. It, it breaks my heart because that is not what this was meant to be. This is not about me and Jesus. It's about the community of Christ. And we have to be part of that community to follow, to walk in what Jesus has called us to walk in. And yes, Jesus knew how hard that was when he set it up. It's not easy to walk in community with other flawed humans. But it's not easy for them to walk with you either. Right? It's not, Jesus knew how hard that was when he set this up. That's why Jesus, in John 17, John records Jesus' great prayer. And the thing he prayed about the most was that you and I, 
the community of Jesus would walk in unity. Jesus pleaded with the Father to bring his followers into unity. Now, we've got a bunch of the prayer recorded, but I, I, I think it could have sounded something like this. Father, do you see what these turkeys are like sometimes? They break the holy unity of your family over what kind of furniture they sit on in church or the color of the carpet. They need your help to be unified because only that will change the world. The, that, that amazing picture, and it's kind of a weird picture, but amazing picture in Psalm 133. How, how beautiful it is when brothers dwell together in unity. It's like oil pouring over Aaron's head and down over his beard and down over the edges of his clothing. Isn't that weird? It's weird. But here's what that psalm is saying, and if we understand it, it's so powerful and so beautiful. Is that... that the picture we're seeing is the very moment when Aaron was called to be the high priest and to represent God to humanity. And the special oil that was made for only that purpose was poured over his head. And when that happened, in that moment that that happened, Aaron and Aaron alone was given the authority to stand in that place as the high priest between God and God's people. And the psalmist is saying that when you and I function in unity together around the alignment of heaven and do what God has called us to do, it is like that oil poured on our heads that, that we in that moment receive the anointing and the authority of heaven and nothing can stand in the way of a church that walks like that. But it can only happen in community. As we look at the passage of this first church that we just looked at, one of the, um, one of the things that stands out the most I think in this passage is this emphasis on community. They were devoted to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. And all four of those were communal acts. They were corporate acts. They were things that they did together. That's important. And especially, it says they were, they were devoted or continually committed to the fellowship. In many English uh, translations, it just says fellowship, but it's literally in the Greek, the fellowship. And it's te, te koinonia. Some of you might recognize that, that Greek word koinonia. It's been used by lots of people to, to, uh, to mean that this 
experience of being together and being a fellowship around Christ. Um, but it, it means being a community or a, a gathering of people who have come into unity around a common purpose. In verse four, four, uh, 44, sorry, <clears throat> it says that they had all things in common. And that word common is koina, which is part of that same root word, um, koinonia, community. They had all things together in a sense of community. Joint ownership of all their possessions. Um, that means that um, the fellowship was more important to them than all other relationships. Many of these people had been cut off from their family when they came to Christ. You're no longer part of our family because you're following that, that crazy group over there, right? Most of these people have been cut off from their family. And the fellowship was all they had. And they clung to it and they were committed to it because this was their new family. And I'm not saying you don't need to love your, your blood family. But if we're doing this thing the way it's meant to be done, I believe this family is your new family. And I, I, don't, I know in this culture that, that, doesn't, that sounds weird. But this is your new family. This family, this fellowship was more important to them than their possessions... It was more important to them than their property. They sold property. In that culture, property was passed on to you from generation after generation after generation. It was part of your identity of who you are and where you came from. But this new community, this new family was more important than all of that. Because they were now part of the kingdom family of Jesus. How can people, you know, I, I, I wonder sometimes and, I, and in my disappointment as a, as a pastor over the years when people just walk away from church and decide to either just drift away or they get mad and they, they, they leave church and, and uh, you know, I wonder sometimes how can people walk away from this, from the fellowship? But you know what? I'm not sure it's just about their commitment level. Before we point fingers, blame, let's ask the question, are we the kind of family that no one would want to walk away from? Because I want to be that kind of family. I want to be the kind of family that people want to join, not that they want to leave. But it comes down to how we live together and treat each other and walk together in love and unity.
right? It says here that... uh, Day by day, um, continuing with one mind in the temple. Now, again, this um, the just the the English translation doesn't help us here, but um, the word "continuing with one mind" there is is the same as up in the first verse, continually devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. They were day by day continually devoting themselves to one mind in the temple and breaking bread from house to house. So they were, just as much as they were committing themselves to those other things up at the top, those four things, they were continually committing themselves and devoting themselves to being together in large gatherings and in small gatherings, in the corporate worship and in the house fellowship, right? Both of these things were vital. And, uh, and so they, they did so um, celebrating, right? With gladness, it says. They were, they were worshiping. They were celebrating God's goodness. And with sincerity of heart. The complexity of that word means um, with simplicity or openness of heart. So you can be a part of a group for a long time and never really know the other people in that group unless there's sincerity of heart, simplicity of heart, openness of heart. One of the things that was most transformative about this community was their willingness to walk in vulnerable relationship with one another, to be real with each other. Take off their church face, and to just walk together in the mess of life, support one another, love one another, walk together with one another, and see what Jesus would do. Right? So what about this community was so transformative? Um, Learning to love people that are different or think differently than you. That goes against everything in our culture right now. Cancel culture that says, if you don't agree with me, I don't want to have anything to do with you. We've lost the ability to have meaningful relationships with people who think differently than us. And it's horrific. And it's ungodly. And we are called into a family that's where we're meant to lay down the, the, to not lay down, but submit our opinions to the greater value of the unity of the body of Christ. 
doesn't mean that we can't hold those opinions. It just means they should never, ever become more important than loving your brothers and sisters. Right? That we submit our opinions to the unity of the body of Christ. And that we learn how to love and walk with people who are different than us and think differently than us. We learn how to work out conflict to work through our disappointment, our blind spots can only be identified in community, right? We all have blind spots. We all have areas where we don't see how our own behavior and our own attitudes are out of sync with our with saying we want to follow Jesus. You follow me? And we need, all of us, we need people who can call us out and say, you know what? This thing you said the other day, it didn't sound very loving, and I'm not sure it looks like you're, you know, I think you're missing, I think you got a blind spot there, right? And if we don't have people that's, that have that we've given permission to speak that honestly to us, we're never going to be truly changed. I'm going to have to tighten it up here. Um, skip, skip, skip. Okay. So we have... Uh, Yeah, skip, skip, skip. Sorry. I got to get to the other stuff at the end, so. Um, okay, called sent ones. Let's, let's jump to the next one. I think, I think, we, I think we got hold of the, the other. We are meant to be an apostolic community. That's a... $50,000 word that um, it just means this, okay? The, the word apostolos in the Greek New Testament um, is a Greek word that, that means a sent one, kind of like an ambassador, okay? If, you've, if an, an ambassador has been given permission by their government, if there's a Canadian ambassador to Liechtenstein, I don't know if there is, but, um, and he or she has been given the authority to speak on behalf of their government because they understand all of their government's policies and procedures. They understand it to the extent that they've been entrusted to speak with authority and their word to the government of Liechtenstein is is just as authoritative as if the House of Commons said it themselves. They've been entrusted with that authority. And you and I are ambassadors. We are sent ones. We are apostolos. Apostoloi is the, the plural. We, we are sent ones. God is... From the very beginning, God was looking for ones that he could send 
with kingdom authority. Adam was given that commission. Go in the authority of, the, of, the, of, of my kingdom and expand Eden. He was given the authority to go and expand Eden. But Adam dropped the ball, didn't he? Right? And he was kicked out of Eden. And then Abraham and his family were given a commission. Go and be a blessing to the whole world. Their descendants, the Israelite nation, were given a commission at Mount Sinai after they were delivered from Egypt to be a nation of priests. That means to, to go into the world with the purpose of connecting humanity with God. And they blew it big time. And so Jesus came as the true and, and perfect apostolos. The perfect sent one. The perfect ambassador of heaven. Right? And, and when Jesus finished the job, when he accomplished what he did on the cross and his resurrection, and his Holy Spirit was sent upon us to anoint us with heaven's authority, he sent us out as a apostolic community, as an as a ambassadorial community. And you and I have been sent into the world. If you love Jesus, if you consider yourself a Christian and a disciple of King Jesus, then you are called and you are sent. Calling is not just for pastors or church staff or, or whatever. We are all sent ones. We are all called ones. It doesn't matter if you've just become a follower of Jesus or if you've been retired from years and you think you've served your time. If you are breathing and you love Jesus, you have a God-given call and purpose for his kingdom. And I believe that God has put on the inside of people in this room entrepreneurial kingdom creativity to go into the world and bring the kingdom into your sphere of influence in a way that is unique to you. It might be a business. It might be a hobby. It might be something that God has given you that you just love to do and God wants to use that thing on the inside of you to make a kingdom connection with people that only you can affect only you can touch that's how it works and my job is to be the releaser of the God dream in your life so that I help you become what God wants you to be in this world. To be your biggest fan, my job is not to reach all the people that need to be reached in Bathurst. My job is not to do all the ministry that needs to be done at Evangel Church. My job is to cheer you on and equip you so that you can do the work that needs to be done. And you can reach the lost that need to be reached, or we all can together, right? That's how it works. Thank you. 
All right. Just a few more moments. I want to share a few things that are on my heart. First of all, um, as a church, and I know, I know that, that evangel is weighted heavily towards the gray. It is. But I see us deeply impacting the next generation. Folks, we cannot give up on this. This has to be a priority for us. Because the next generation needs... They've had... Most of them have had no one to show them that there is something better. And we have to do everything that we can do to reach the next generation. Did you know that we have, for the first time in 15 years, we have a staffed nursery. It's functioning. Isn't that awesome? Yeah. Wow. Yay. So we're, we're, we're making strides. We're inching forward. We're... we're, we're making little bits of progress so that we can reach families. There are young adults and young families who are, who are disillusioned with the world, and we want them to find refuge in the family of God. There are prodigals who once tasted the goodness of God and have fallen away, and, and I see them rescued and brought back to the kingdom needs to happen. We need to put a, a, a flag in the ground, a, a marker in the ground and say, we will fight for this, right? I see us as a church actively serving the marginalized and the poor in our city and in our region. We've talked about maybe even some kind of um, separate space outside of our building that's, that's an, uh, a, a neutral, non-threatening space where we can do that, kind of a hub place. I, we'll see, you know, we've been praying into that and hoping for that at some point, but, but providing support such as addiction recovery, helping with food scarcity, life skills, kids programs, helping new Canadians get settled in our in our region, you know, some of, the, some of the greatest moments as a church during COVID were when we served our city with compassion. The student boxes, we had this, we had tables all in here and sorting food and putting together boxes for, for, for families that were used to getting the, the lunch program at the school and it wasn't happening a year ago. Uh, that was amazing. It's amazing, right? Um, doing supplies for, for Terry Fox School, uh, drive-through meals. I mean, there were some pretty cool things that we got the opportunity to do during COVID. Let's not drop that ball. The needs are there, and we need to love and serve our city. I see us 
being a training center for seeing leaders raised up to reach the lost in northern New Brunswick with the gospel. Jesus said for his followers to pray for workers or leaders in the harvest field, and then he said to the same people, go, right? You go, go be the answer to your own prayer. Some of, some of the people here in this room or some watching online, you have leadership abilities, but you've been sitting on the sidelines. We need you. We want to equip. We want to raise up leaders. And you know what? Some of the best leaders in our church five years from now don't even know Jesus yet. But we want to reach them with the gospel. We want to pour into their lives. We want to disciple them. We want to raise them up. And we want to see people who know our culture be sent out to reach our culture with what's changed them. Right? I see every disciple making disciples. Because we might think, oh, it's the church's job to make disciples. Guess, guess what the church is? It's us, right? It's not some, you know, faceless organization. It's us. It's our calling to make disciples. And, and, and if each one of us made one disciple in the next two years, and and by extension, though they would start to make disciples, we would not fit all the people in this room that would be part of our church. I believe, I see us becoming decentralized for the sake of permeating our region with the gospel. You know, we've got connect groups, and, and some of you have, have wonderful experience in connect groups. And, uh, and we, want, we, want that, um, we want that to continue. But I believe in the days ahead, and, and maybe especially if there are things that start happening with our government that put, put the pressure on the church, that in order to be effective for the kingdom, we need to decentralize. It doesn't mean we won't gather like this. We won't gather on a Sunday. But we've kind of put all, most of the eggs in the basket of Sunday morning service. And I think we need to change that. I think we need to decentralize. I think we need to, the, the early church, we read it, right? They gathered in the temple and they gathered from house to house. And I think we need to decentralize. And I think that um, this, you know, that this will be a hub for reaching some of the, the villages and neighborhoods around us. We're never going to reach Alorville, Robertville, Packetville by, I don't know, sending a flyer in the mail and hoping they come here. We've got to go be there. How do we do that? I don't know, but we've got to figure it out. 
because we are called to reach those communities, not just to hold church services. So how do we decentralize? How do we go out there and reach those communities? I believe God's going to give us the strategies. He's going to give us the how-tos. But we got to lean in and say, Jesus, help us as we go. I see a church more concerned with our sending capacity than our seating capacity. More concerned with how we see the region impacted by the gospel than how big and important we can be. And I see a community so in love with Jesus that we live like it and make the world around us want what we've got. Amen? Amen. I'm going to ask our musicians to come. I'm going to ask you to stand and ask our, our ministry team, our breakthrough team to come. We're going to wrap things up in a moment, and if, you, if you're, you know, feel free to, to enjoy some cookies and coffee in the lobby. But, uh, folks, I've shared some challenging things today. And maybe some of them really spark your heart and you go, wow, wouldn't that be awesome? And maybe some of them are like, who does he think he is? What does he think he's saying? That's okay. But I believe God has so much more for us. And I want to encourage you today to receive from our great big God you've got a need in your life in a moment when I pray and and close off our time together our ministry team is going to be ready to just pray with you and if you're here today and you maybe you don't know the Jesus that we've been talking about or maybe you've drifted away and it's time for you to make a commitment to to the Lord to, to, to go all the way with him Maybe you have uh, an area of breakthrough that you need in your life, of healing, of provision, whatever it may be. Your brothers and sisters want to pray with you, believe with you for breakthroughs, so let's do that. Father, I thank you for your faithfulness. I thank you for your love in our lives. I thank you for all that you have have in store for us, the called ones, the sent ones. All that you have in store for us as the community of Jesus in this region. All that you have in store for us to reach the lost around us with the hope of the gospel. God, I pray that you would stir up our hearts. That God, we wouldn't just coast. We wouldn't just be willing to to be spectators, but we'd lean in and be the kingdom people you've called us to be. We'd walk in unity. We'd walk in passion for you and for your, for your kingdom. And that, God, we'd see 
we'd see the breakthrough that we're believing, that we're praying, that we're trusting you for. In Jesus' name, amen. As uh, Edna leads us in the worship song, I encourage you, if you do need to, uh, to leave, absolutely need to, feel free. But as Pastor Andrew said, our ministry team is here to pray with you. So feel free to come forward and, and, and seek after the Lord uh, for whatever it is that you, you, you need. Um, if you just desire to stay in worship, do that. Um, but bless you. Thank you so much for joining us both in person and online.